Hey there, and welcome to Radio Free Bay Ridge, your hyper-local, progressive, political podcast focusing entirely on Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. I'm Dan. I'm Rachel. And today we have a very interesting episode. We're actually covering someone else who's been documenting our neighborhood on a Mm hyper-local, progressive, political level. So we have Ahmed Mansour in the studio today, and he has a really interesting project that he's been working on. Mm -hmm. I don't know if anyone remembers last year's election cycle. Um, I feel like it was pretty quiet in Bay Ridge. I don't remember there being a lot of competition for that city council seat. Very quiet primaries. Oh, yeah. No one really showed up. Bay Ridge definitely wasn't the number one turnout spots in an an already low election. There definitely weren't six contenders in each primary race. Wait, what does that feel like? (laughs) So if anyone doesn't know, uh, full disclosure, me and Mary worked on the Cotarelli team campaign, the last city council election. And Khadr was the first Palestinian-American to run for an elected office in this district for city council. Mm. And if you were engaged in that campaign at all, you probably got on film with Ahmed recording and following that campaign around. And a year out, that project is coming to fruition finally. Oh, cool. What's he doing? It is a feature-length documentary about the election and the primary and the Arab community's involvement and engagement with that election and what it meant to them. Nice. That sounds like it even goes a little bit more in-depth than the Radio Lab podcast. Oh, absolutely. Uh, more in-depth than, I think, any coverage wow. thus far about that campaign because he was following and... <laughs> Actually, we should probably just get him in here and <laughs> and start talking about it because it's really fascinating to explore Bay Ridge from this angle. And it's an angle that I think has been ignored for far too long. And mm-hmm. everyone stick around because there is a way that you can help contribute to this project. We'll talk about that at the very end. So without further ado, we're joined in the studio today by Ahmed Mansour. Thank you so much for showing up. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. And Mary is also joining us over on the side here. Hi, Ahmed. How are you? It's nice to see you again. We actually first met through the Eliotim campaign, which is actually what we're going to be talking about a little bit today, and your project that was a result of that. Mary, what was your first indication that a documentary was about to happen for the Eliotim campaign? Last year at the beginning of the primary, I wasn't really involved in the campaign yet. I was part of a group called South Brooklyn Progressive Resistance. They did a candidate forum, uh, Q&A with the candidates, and it was so early in the primary, but people were really energized and excited to meet a political candidate. And so we had a Q&A meet the candidate thing at uh, Lobo Loco in Bay Ridge. And our first candidate was Cotter Team. And that was the first time I met you. Yeah. You know, here this guy comes in uh, and there's a camera crew behind him, one man camera crew behind him. Yeah. yeah, I, I, I remember I talked to you and you told me about your work and I really got interested also. And I was thinking like to follow you a little bit and, and, and you know, but. Uh, <laughs> well, that worked that out happened. well because soon after that I was volunteering on the campaign. Right, right. She was really working hard in the campaign. <laughs> she was all the time there. So. Before we really start going into the documentary and the project, what's your background like? What brought you eventually over here to Bay Ridge to the Khadarelli team campaign? Well, we need to go back where I'm coming from. So I was born and raised in Gaza Strip, Palestine. I did my undergrad in Arabic and English translation. 
Where did uh, you go for undergrad? To Gaza University. Gaza University? Yeah, it's a private school, uh, and it's kind of very recent. It was founded in 2009. So I did my undergrad there, and when I was sophomore, the 2012, the second war took place, and then the third war, 2014, when I was in my senior year. And at that moment, I felt that I need to do something. I was thinking at that moment that if people outside Gaza would know about the stories of the people, that would never happen. The ongoing wars and attacks and a blockade and terror. So at that moment, I would say, why it's not me to take the initiative and tell the stories of the Gazans and to show them that they are just normal people and trying just to live and chill. So I took the lead and my first short documentary was about depicting these main sectors that was hit so bad in the war mm. to raise awareness that Gaza has turned to hell. It was rubble. Who did you have to interview to get all of those segments covered? I got some of my colleagues in the school who speak English. Because mm. I knew, I was like, okay, if the Americans knew. So I was like, anyone who speaks good English and willing to convey the voices of our fellow Gazans would join the film. We did it. And we published it. It got really nice reviews. We're not mainstream media and we're not affiliated with any political machine. Yeah. We were just young people, passionate and against war. And we want to like show how war affects our daily life. Mm. After that, of course, I was not professional. I've never studied that. But then while I was making it, it was really hard. But I was learning so much. And that moment, I was like, I would love to study filmmaking. It's like, what a powerful tool to tell mm -hmm. a story. And people would learn about your passion, give voices to people who are unheard. And then people would take actions to empower this community. I was like, wow. So I applied to New York University. I was like, okay, I'm going to get there. Even it sounded impossible. And it took me three years to leave Gaza Strip because the Israelis wouldn't give me a permit. Mm. Finally, I took it after three years, just three years, you know, just three years. Not, not a big, not a big deal. deal, no. Nah. For us, <laughs> three years means like that was very quick. Like, you're really lucky, wow. you know, very lucky. So I came here, studied, took a scholarship from New York University to do news and documentary. Mm. The first assignment was to pick a neighborhood to report from for the first year. Mm. So I went to Google. I was like, okay, what kind of neighborhood I want to report from? So, of course, where I'm coming from, you can imagine what I typed. I typed the most dangerous neighborhood in New York City. <laughs> and at that moment, I've never visited Brooklyn or Queens or, or the Bronx or Staten Island. So a neighborhood called Eastern New York pops up. And I right away visited that neighborhood. And I saw what I saw, the life conditions of Eastern New York. And unfortunately, like 95% of New Yorkers never been to Eastern New York. No. Never. Right. Can you believe that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. If we wanted to advocate for each other and you've never been in contact with these people, mm -hmm. how are you going to help? Yeah. New York is one of the most segregated cities in the United States right now in terms of the isolation of individual neighborhoods. And also the education. The education system, public schools oh, yeah. are the number one segregated system. So what, you started filming? Yeah. I was supposed to do five minutes 
short documentaries mm. about stories from there. So, for example, the first piece I made was about the presidential elections. You know, Eastern York in 2011, according to DNA Info, they had the highest crime rates in the city. And also homeless and poverty. I was interested in knowing whether the community would participate in the presidential election, the last mm -hmm. one. So I decided to cover it. So I went there three days before, and I kept filming until the election day. And it was normal. Without the signs of vote here, you wouldn't tell that there is so, a presidential yeah, election. This is like in contrast to the neighborhood during like the Obama elections versus the Trump-Hillary election. That's right. One of the uh, people that I interviewed was the councilwoman of the district that includes Eastern New York and is barren. And uh, she told me, if you came here in 2008, you wouldn't recognize the neighborhood because people were coming out in huge numbers to vote for the first time. Their habit is not to vote at all. But with Obama, the first black president, everyone was inspired. So I was like, okay, what's happening now? She said Obama did not deliver. And people now prefer their old habit of not going out at all. That's such a cautionary tale about someone who's rising up from a community to represent them but if they don't focus on the community that really brought them there the damage that can be done is horrible right i mean i felt i felt i was at home in eastern new york i came across of gaza there i felt it very personal yeah. it felt to me that it's my responsibility to really tell more stories from there so then i covered Catherine green community leader mm. she founded the first art space in eastern new york and I was like, wow. And two young men, she helped. She took them from the streets and provided them with the art space and they developed their art skills. And now they are professional artists. As a filmmaker and a storyteller, this is how I connect with these people. What led you from East New York to Bay Ridge? So since I covered the election in East New York... I got really interested to film anything that's related to the election because for me, I'm not American. I've been here just for two years and a half, and this is fascinating. You know, it's oh, like, yeah. <laughs> as a storyteller, it's like, I just want to go everywhere to get really good stuff. And it's a lot of things happening. So when President Trump was inaugurating in D.C., I went there and said, I want to film it. Mm. And also film the Women's March next day. So I went there in the inauguration, and uh, of course I was not in the rally, I was outside the mall because there was a lot of protest protesting uh, yeah. the inauguration. So I was filming, and the whole riots broke up. And there was a window that was smashed, and this like kind of, it's not police, it's like an army. Yeah. They came in, and helicopters, and vans, and even jeeps, and they arrested over 120 people. Most of them, they were journalists. I was there, but I'm coming from Gaza, so I know how to maneuver in this situation. <laughs> I managed to not being arrested and keep filming. Wow. And I got footage that no one got. Yeah. Vice was the only people there, but then they couldn't understand the tear gas and they ran away. I kept filming. And then for the, for the Women's March, I saw this Muslim woman speaking there with hijab. And I was like, oh my God, who is she? Her name was Linda Sarsour. So I came back to New York. I looked her up. 
and all of a sudden she lives in Bay Ridge. Yeah. And she was the executive director of the Arab American Association. So, of course, I was like, okay, I'm going to like do three minutes, four minutes about her and about her speech and why she said what she said. And then, of course, Linda's all over the place. Getting access to her was just a pain in the ass. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> How do you build trust with somebody like Linda Sarsour? After the Women's March, she became a national figure and... She has her champions, but she also has a lot of people that are out to get her. So how do you build trust with somebody like that? I will never forget it. How long did it take me to get trust so that I can film with her? She didn't reply for the first month, maybe. But then she said, if you're serious, I'm speaking in Chicago. I'm like, I'm in New York. You're in New York. <laughs> what <laughs> Chicago? So I said, okay. So I flew to Chicago and I met her and I filmed with her. And then when we come to New York, we established the trust. She knew that I was serious. And I told her I'm a Palestinian. I'm just going to tell the story. Her Arabic is really good. So we spoke in Arabic in the beginning. And there was that kind of special code that we used. And then it worked. And from there, I got to know this beautiful community. And uh, one day I was filming her and she announced the first Arab American to ever run for the city council. And it was Father Khadr al-Yatim. So I met him and I was like, wow, that's really interesting. You know, he's from Bethlehem. He's a Palestinian. So I said, okay, we can get along easily. <laughs> uh, at first I did my research about Bay Ridge. Mm -hmm. And until like this day, from over a year ago, I'm still learning new things about Bay Ridge, especially about the Arab community and what happened to them since 9-11. Yeah. And then what the NYPD and the law enforcement did to this community. I was like, wow, this is like another Gaza. And I've got to really tell this story to follow him and to follow the campaign every day. I've met people that want to build these relationships and they'll say something like, how do we show that? You're here for our Arab neighbors. And I'm like, you just do it. You just show up and you just keep showing up until you build that trust. And sometimes it takes time. And so it's fascinating. Yes. You know, you guys, she still like needs to build this trust. But even when I was asking Arab Americans in this community, they thought that I was informant. Like, oh, wow. we've got to talk about the background, right? The surveillance program was vicious. People stopped trusting anyone who's coming to the community. When I first came with my camera in the neighborhood, a lady, an Arab American, told me, do not film. I was like, why? She said, the camera for us is the tool for, for surveillance. So I was like, no, I'm a, I'm a Palestinian. I'm from Gaza. And I just spoke in Arabic with everyone in the community. Yeah. And, and I started sharing it, kind it of... It was traumatizing. That shows just how damaging surveillance is mm -hmm. on a basic level. Without any wrongdoing, the fear of being surveilled leads to these kind of stories not getting told. And then you wonder why it's so hard to get somebody to register to vote or to go to the polls. When I shot the film at the NYU screening, some people were like, why these people do not register and just vote? And I was like, oh my God, I need to put more about the surveillance and to bring Abir with her personal story 
she talks a lot about the surveillance and about the deportation of her dad. So for me, her story is kind of a window to the Arab American community here and how they suffered from surveillance. So when people say, oh, why they don't register and vote? That's why I'm making the film, you know? Because it's just easy to register, but why those people are not registered? We need to understand that, and we need to get in their shoes and really see how they see American democracy. Is it working for them or not? This is the first time I've seen the results of a camera being trained on this community resulting in something positive. The first thing I asked the team when I met him, I was like, why you are running? And he said, I'm running for a fair political representation for this community. So it's not about him. No, it's because he put the community out there. Mm. So as a filmmaker, you've got to really tour the community and see what's in it and depict the character like a portrait of Bay Ridge, right? I started talking to people in Arab Americans, and it was very hard in the beginning for them to open up and telling their stories and what happened to them. Yeah, And I had to find volunteers that have personal stories to give a background about this community and why it's important. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a city council primary. I mean, who gives a f***, right? <laughs> but yeah. why he's running, that gives it the momentum. This was the first city council race that I can remember and know of where there's Village Voice articles, there's Independent. like... New York Times references. Mm -hmm. There was a Radio Lab episode. Again, all these focused on Khadr as the candidate. And it seems like what you're saying is really the main character of this documentary is the community. That's very true. The Radio Lab, like Simon, he did a great piece on the campaign. And he was like in every shot in the field, like when I was shooting. He was everywhere <laughs> yeah. and he was yeah, in to cut around shots. It was just a pain. But he was doing a great job. He did a really good journalistic piece, right? Mm -hmm. But for me, the community character did not came as strong as I was thinking for my documentary. After I heard the broadcast, that gave me more understanding of how to structure the documentary and how to give the community the louder voice. Yeah. That was not about Khadr Yatim. That was not about Linda. That was not about any individual. Yeah. For me, I mean, that was not the point. He's coming from an oppressed community, a community that was silenced for so long. I mean, when I started following the story, I really thought a lot about which approach I'm going to choose for this film. This is my first feature documentary. So I was always seeking assistance from advisors that I have on my team, well-established filmmakers. So we ended up showing up every day and following Father K and shoot the shit out of him <laughs> and keep filming and filming and filming and filming and capture every single word he says and his interactions with the people. Because for me, I mean, when we say Arab Americans or Muslim Americans, everyone has assumptions, right? Because the mainstream media depict them with certain stereotypes. So if I'm going to like just use talking heads, like interviews with the characters, big deal, you know, it's not going to be like authentic. But if you have cinema verite, like the purest documentary school, 
and see those characters and know about them through their interactions with other people, then people would really resonate with those characters and the subject of the film. So, uh, for example, I showed the uh, rough cut at the NYU Newsdoc Film Festival. Mm. And it was that kind of cute uh, audience. After they watched it, there was a Q&A. And I was looking at the people and like, I don't know, 40 people were like kind of shedding tears. And, you know, the first question was like, oh, you inspired us. You took us on this journey to this beautiful neighborhood and this beautiful people who are trying to get their voice heard. I felt so humble. That was the whole purpose. And I had another lady that she said, I'm working with the board of election and I've got to fight for this community to make it easier for them to vote and to provide them with Arabic translators. Yeah, like spoiler, but that's a major element in the movie is what was election day like and what happened at the polling places. That sequence was astounding. What's next in terms of bringing this cut forward? Yeah, the main challenge ahead of us is developing it to a feature-length documentary. So we're now applying for grants to continue editing and higher technical support. And the main goal is to screen it at Sundance. And now also we are planning to launch a Kickstarter campaign to raise funds because the grants take forever and it's a massive project. Where else other than Sundance would you be sending this film out to? Yeah, I mean, it's like the premiere would be Sundance. This is like the the goal. But after that, I have two people, one from Las Vegas and one from Brooklyn, to take care of the community outreach and have community screenings plan and take it to every underserved community to show them what Bay Ridge is all about and how it's been subject to all sorts of atrocities and now they're coming out so that they can do it. The whole campaign came as a response to the political climate. The Muslim ban, the Arab ban, the Islamophobia rhetoric that's normal, right? I believe as a documentary filmmaker, this is a very important story and needs to go to every corner around the country. What's the timeline for that project? Like, when when is Sundance? And when can we see it in Bay Ridge? (laughs) Um, That depends on the funding. Mm. The sooner we get on a grant, we're going to move with the film. So when is the Kickstarter launching? It's out now. Oh. And people can see the trailer and me talking a little bit about why I started following the project. And they can share it. People who would contribute with a certain amount of money, they can have a credit on the film. Also, if anyone is hearing us and have resources and want to just join, I would love to meet. Again, it's out now. We will link to all of that on our Twitter account, on our Facebook, on our show notes, www.radiofreebayridge.org. Contribute. And if you have more to contribute than just a small donation, if you have technical experience, if you want to get involved in the project, go for it, guys. After the Kickstarter, after all this, I'm just really interested you in, in you as an artist. I mean, you have such an amazing skill set. Like, what's next for you? So for me, as just a filmmaker, I'm fascinating in going to underserved communities around the country. So I would go to Arab American community in Detroit or Dearborn, San Francisco, and see anyone who's running for 
an election to represent their community. And I would follow them. And that's why the name of the film, Brooklyn, Inshallah, for other films that would be made, for example, if it's in Detroit, we would call it Detroit, Inshallah. Because I'm sure every community has different dimensions. Uh, this is the vision, and hopefully I'll, I'll live up to it. So how did you come up with the title, Brooklyn, Inshallah? This is, this is actually really funny. I thought about over 100 names for the film, and I involved other people to give their feedback to their names. It was so hard. I w- it was like impossible to find a name. Until I was just watching the footage, and almost in every sentence that the team says, or if he's talking to another Arab dude, after each word or two words, they would say, inshallah, inshallah. This is us, right? Like, inshallah comes in every bits of your speaking. So I was like, okay, inshallah has so many meanings. And it can serve differently in different contexts. Mm. So I was like, Brooklyn, inshallah. It can mean, okay, Brooklyn, you can do it. Brooklyn, let's do it. Brooklyn, if it's not this time, next time. Brooklyn, let's keep the spirit. Brooklyn, we will all rise. So this is like the word inshallah. It's a beautiful, it's one of the most beautiful words ever in Arabic. And, you know, when I talk to my mom back home, everything's like, how are you, inshallah? Good, inshallah. So um, I was like, okay. And at the same time, if you want to pick a name, you've got to like honor the people that you're telling the, the story to the, the, the yeah. story. If you pick a word from their own language of every day, of every minute, they would feel honored. And this is the point is to live up to the subject you're covering. Yeah. And to give it authority and power. And you know, people really liked it. And also teach other Americans about what inshallah means, you know. Ahmed, thanks so much for coming on. This was really great and really exciting to hear that something like this is coming from our communities. Thank you so much for documenting this and coming to our neighborhood for so long and really exposing a side of it that I think everyone's really hungry to see. It was my pleasure to be with you and with Mary. Bay Ridge is a big story and we need really to give it the right platform so that the people of Bay Ridge tell their own stories. So thank you so much, Ahmed, for coming by to the studio and talking to us about your project. Again, everyone, if you want to get involved and you want to support this documentary, if you want to get it past its rough cut stage, get it at Sundance, Mm -hmm. get it to not just community screenings here, but in other communities across the country. Mm -hmm. And it's one of these things that applies to Bay Ridge, it applies to CD11. Our local stories are national stories. And that's part of why doing a hyper-local political podcast based here makes sense. Us and Ahmed have the same goal in mind. Mm -hmm. A lot of things that are happening here and the solutions we're finding Mm -hmm. can be deployed on a national level into other communities. We're not isolated here. So donate to Ahmed's Launch Good campaign. We created a custom link for you guys to get there easily. It is radiofree.press forward slash BK Inshallah. That's B-K-I-N-S-H-A-L-L-A-H. Or, of course, visit RadioFreeBayRidge.org. And everybody, I mean, do take a look at that. This is one of those opportunities we have to help shine a light on something that wouldn't get as much attention otherwise. And thank you guys so much for listening. Until next time. Stay free, Bay Ridge. 